This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Welcome to Monday's Going in Circles, the big show. He, with me is my co-host, Barry Spears. Barry, how, hey, how's up, things, man? Barry? It's going. It's Monday. I'm here. I'm alive. Survived the weekend despite all the disqualifications and such, but I, I live to tell about it. It's, uh, it's funny. You know, last week we were kind of saying with all the derby preps over and with all the Oaks preps over that this weekend's race is outside of maybe maximum security. We're kind of, uh, and a couple of the, the turf races in the, uh, at Saratoga, the stakes were, were pretty good races too, but there wasn't a whole hell of a lot going on. And then the stewards decided that um, they wanted to display their incompetency basically nationwide. <laughs> Across breeds, I mean, it's it's uh, it's really. I, I hate to be negative. All the time, but there's just so many things <laughs> to talk about. I mean, it's probably the best time ever to be talking uh, to doing a podcast about horse racing because there's so many issues to talk about that. You, you forever have have enough uh, enough topics. You don't have to like come up with uh, you know top ten Philly sprinters of the sixties and then talk right. about that. We don't know? have to get creative. No, it's ready made every every, every week day. In some way every day. I I even pumped out a a, a, a Friday afternoon uh, um, an impromptu podcast, not an emergency one because those other guys use the emergency. But, uh, <laughs> For all the wrong reasons, yeah. bro. <laughs> so it, it was a little bit of an impromptu uh, podcast, basically talking about what a crappy week it had been. And I didn't even know <laughs> that the next two days were going to bring about a couple decisions, a, a kind of a bizarre press release from um, the New York authorities and... Um, it's uh, it's given us plenty to talk about tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we we talk about the the bad things, um, what did you make of Maximum Security's race? And was that how you thought the race was gonna go? No, I did not. I, I thought the race would be a little bit different um i I really thought midcourt would press him early on and midcourt was a basically a no-show um i i think he ran well given the circumstances i mean i mean not to sugarcoat it but he was basically given the race early um you know once once he jumped out of the gate got to the lead and everybody kind of backed off and kind of let him do his thing so I, I don't really know what to make of it going forward. 
only because it, it wasn't as tough as the race as he had the, the time before, which now in hindsight looks like he needed that one. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think I alluded to that before when he ran that he may have needed that race. Um, even though, uh, Bob Baffert likes to, you know, get him cranked up pretty much every time. Um, but you know, now that we've seen his Pacific classic, the other race, he, he definitely probably needed that. Um, I mean, he has every right to, 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 you know, move forward. It wasn't a, a great, really fast race. I think he got a one Oh seven buyer, which kind of surprised me. I thought it was going to be a little lower than that. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I mean, I, I I want in the future, at least at the Breeders' Cup, for Tis the Law and, and Max to to kind of hook up and see 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 what we got. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've been critical about the the talent or lack thereof. I would say the older handicap division, but it's not really a handicap division anymore since we don't really have any handicaps. But the older um, the older horse uh, distance category is it's got some depth to it just just nobody seems to be all that great and uh, maximum security coming back with two you know solid races and uh, he certainly adds to the mix I think it's interesting that Baffert wants to get another race into him going into the classic and he did say coming out of uh his first race back to san diego that he he was only about 80 percent for that race i don't recall him saying that before the race but he, he did say that and it, it it certainly kind of looks that way and um i i was i i'll be honest I, I don't really watch much delmar and i really didn't pay much attention to how the track's been playing and um, if it's been favoring speed or if it's been fair and or what the times have been like. But, I mean, he, he got to the lead really easily, and he just clicked off 12-second eights. I mean, horses like him can do that all day long. Um, and the horse of, uh, I think it was Mark Glatz, that they kind of stuck by him, and, and, and didn't he didn't shake him that easily. But no one else really did much running. And uh, like you said, I, I was surprised that the horse from the inside didn't really send out to get position in the first turn. And, I mean, it, it was it was just a kind of a, a strange race. Both races out there have kind of been strange races. And I, I just don't, I don't know really what to make of it. But uh, Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, you know... I mean, I guess just conventional wisdom would tell you, you know, a horse like Midcourt would probably try to do the same thing he did the time before. Yeah. You know, he almost won. I mean, right, it was he was a half a nose away from winning, maybe yeah. ahead at, at most. Um, I don't, I don't understand why they would think anything was going to go differently I, I to where read, they needed to take back. And I haven't read anything that, that, you know, something had happened or he came out of the race with a you know, shoe pulled off or something like that. So I, I really don't know. I mean, we might look back on this uh, a month or two months from now, and, and maybe Maximum Security really isn't all that fond of the Del Mar track, and he's winning despite it, which I, I which went through my mind after the first race because that is a little bit of a quirky track, and, and there are been there have been horses that 
that um, that haven't really appreciated it and Arrogate comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> the the late great Arrogate. Yeah, but um, it's it's kind of uh, it, it it's shaping up to be an interesting classic, and if we can keep some of these races together and all the horses running it, I mean it. It's not going to be the you know the greatest Breeders' Cup ever, but there's some interesting races. I mean, certainly the Distaff, uh, depending on how things go, the next two rounds of preps could be a really really interesting race. That might be the best race of the two days. If uh, if Vacoma cuts back to the sprint and runs against that that horse of Steve Asmussen's, who in my opinion is a little bit overrated, uh, he's a really good horse, but. I don't know that I'm gonna, uh, um, you know, put well, him in from the, put a him handicapping in the hall perspective. Yeah, I, I definitely feel you. I mean, from a handicapping perspective, it's it's tough to really evaluate those those runs where horses get easy leads and finish strong. I mean, especially in six furlong sprints. Yeah, that I mean, they, they they really walked. I mean, it was. It was over. I, I I can't remember the 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 split, but it was just slow for that that yeah. caliber of horse, and and of course he's going to finish fast. Um, you know, it's it's just hard to to evaluate those races going forward because you can never tell, you know, what's going to happen when somebody goes head and head with this horse or puts a little bit of pressure. Yeah, um, that's, that's very true. And I mean, and Lacoma it's a tough read. Would, would be one that would lap on him and and not let him get away and i don't know what george's plans are i don't know if he's going to go to the 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 mile i really don't i don't see them taking a shot at a mile and a quarter with him but um you never know i guess but uh going in the sprint would be really would 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 be as as a fan of racing i i would that's the race i'd like to see vacoma in i'd like to see him going head and head against um you know Steve's horse, and 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 that that would really be a, a good matchup. I mean, I don't know. I guess um, Authentic will wind up probably in the turf, in the excuse me, the dirt mile. Uh, I just don't see that horse getting a mile and a quarter, and I'm sure they'll run him in the Derby. But to me, uh, the cutback to the mile would be would be best for him, and it'd kind of be an interesting race. But if he if he runs, you know, eleventh in the Derby. Um, Th- that matchup kind of loses a lot of luster. Right, that's it looks more <laughs> likely than not, you right. know, because um, the horse can clearly run. It's just a matter of how far he wants to go. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be you know the picture will start getting clearer and clearer, and I'm not sure what's gonna happen. I I mean the Breeders' Cup has made like no announcements um, about what's gonna fans. happen with the fans and and that whole fiasco and and uh i mean churchill came down with their you know with the decree they're not going to run with fans which is something that we had been talking about i talked to marty mcgee about it a month and a half ago and i said i just don't see how it's going to work and i know with all the issues that they're having in this in the city of louisville bringing all these people from outside it just it just seemed like it just didn't work it wasn't it a good formula like there, was, there was way too many you know i know it's a money thing but still um you, you also don't want to you don't want a disaster you don't want 
uh, whatever might happen to happen. But um, it's it's uh, it'll be interesting. I, I see the Breeders' Cup today did say that the Preakness was going to be a win and you're in. Yes, which, I saw uh, that. Uh, and you know what, Breeders' Cup, you're going to get a little bit here. The win and you're in program is is bizarre because they pick races where the horses would have been in anyways. And there are horses that make a lot of money that don't really need any help, you know? Like, it's just a, a, a weird program that I don't know that it's it's outside of marketing. It's really beneficial. I really don't know what it does. I mean, if you win the Preakness, y yeah, you should be in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I mean, any horses that won the Preakness wouldn't be invited to breed, you know, in, in these days when we don't exactly have, uh, you know, races overflowing with horses that's uh I, I i so much would rather see some sort of um playoff type system um like nascar does or even golf with that fedex cup and where, where we had like a monthly or a breeders cup uh prep races and, and start them early in the year i mean the american the ARCS, the American uh, Championship Racing Series, whatever the hell it was called back then. I remember that. <laughs> that um, they came up with for the older horses. Um, it was a really good idea. And, of course, racing couldn't work together because it's racing and it's functionally illiterate in some ways it's it's you know the race and there is no racing and that, that's the funny thing is sometimes you know see people say well racing can't get it started well there is really no racing you know there really is no racing it, it's it's just a, a group of well group there's 10 groups of of different um different uh makeup uh i don't know what the word would be but participants in, in various you know Everyone has their own um, agendas. The tracks have their own agendas. The tracks from track to track have different agendas. The horsemen from track to track have different agendas. The breeders, the sales companies, the jockeys, the um, th there's so many different groups, and and no one ever does anything for the benefit of everyone. I, well, I shouldn't say doesn't, but almost ever that. does that. And and and, uh, and Barry, you know, it's 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 tough because I think sometimes people like us and and a lot of the people on Twitter and a lot of the fans and you know, even owners, like you look at the game and you say, well, if we if if they did this, then it would be better for everyone. But everybody's kind of out for themselves, and I understand that from some points, but. At, at, there are some things that, like the post times. Oh, that's and, and, so frustrating. I mean, the post times, it just is like, come on. People are going to bet what they're going to bet. You know, it's like sabotaging post times on other tracks, it's just not good business in the in the long run. And, I, I mean, there's there's a whole host of things that, that you could you could say. Uh, stake schedules, where, where sometimes... In the East Coast, especially in a two-week period, you'll have three stake races for virtually the same, same horses. Route. So instead of getting one good field, you get three semi-good or not even good fields, and and uh, it's it's just like 
the Breeders' Cup, it's a, it, it, it worked. It, it's a great idea, and it's been expanded, and there's a whole lot of interest, and it's kind of it's kind of a year-end championship of sorts. But why not impact the rest of the year positively? The win in your in-races? I mean, the Whitney's win in your in-race. The Diana's a win in your in-race. Well, of course these horses are in. <laughs> Yeah, it it seems a little overkill. I know way back when, uh, I want to say it was 1985, maybe it was 84, it was when Spendabuck won the uh, Kentucky Derby. And this is when I, yeah, this is when I knew that tracks weren't on the same page, is when the Jersey Derby offered, Mm -hmm. I don't know, however many millions to basically get Spendabuck to run in that race. Yeah, the Jersey Derby. If he won the yeah. uh, the Cherry Hill Mile, the Kentucky Derby, and the Jersey Derby. Correct, and 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 that's when I knew that it just didn't add up to me. I know I was young at the time, but it still didn't make any sense. I was like, "Well, this is the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont. That's that's life. That's that's what we do." You know, the you funny know, thing that's, about that's what the horse racing is. Interestingly enough, something good, good, good did come out of it in that they came up. With the triple crown bonus, bonus, the visa right, bonus, right? Which didn't last all that long, but it, it was a reaction to uh, Robert Brennan, um, who owned uh, Garden State. With you know, he built it mostly with stolen funds, but it was a really <laughs> nice, it was a really nice track. <laughs> but um, you know, the the reaction to him, and he was kind of an outsider, and and he. He got what he wanted. He he made a, a splash, and yeah, everybody got together. And then uh, the I mean the triple crown races used to be separate nominations. You had to nominate separately to each race. Um, there's there's things that have been done that that uh, are are for the good of the game, but so so little. And I mean, don't even get me started about like this this ridiculous take that Naira came up with 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 uh with Wayne Potts and and oh man Marcus Vitali and it's like hold on like who's saying like to suspend the guy all I know is that the Mid-Atlantic's a consortium of tracks uh told him and and the now no longer suspended Marcus Vitali that they don't want them to participate their tracks because of some of, of things they're doing that are not kosher and and a couple of them are illegal. Changing a health certificate Highly is, illegal. Is, is illegal, right. And that that's like the tip of the iceberg with the this this well Vitali for sure has done. Vitali is bad news. He's bad bad news. Trust me, I know stuff about Vitali that you you would it's disgusting. The guy is not who we need in in racing in 2020, where the spotlight is on us. And that's the thing. Everybody cried early during this COVID thing. Oh, they're not giving us enough coverage. They're saying all sports are 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 aren't running, but oh, we're running. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Well, hello. This is the this is this is why we can't like always want that spotlight. Now someone's going to say, well, geez, this guy's not allowed to run at Laurel. He's not allowed to run at Parks. He's not allowed to run at Delaware. But he's allowed to run at Mammoth. He's allowed to run in New York. So who's right, right who's wrong? 
Well, I mean, there's and, a hypocrisy and there with Wallendorfer. It, well, that's that. That's the first thing that I thought when when I saw the response was, "Well, we we want to go through the 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 regulatory process," but that's that's a cop out. That's a cop out. The whole thing is this: this just happened. Okay, it just came down. Uh, I think on Thursday. Right. So why don't we just say, "Hey, you know what? Let's figure out exactly what's going on with this situation." And before we accept any more entries to the biggest, most premier meet we have in this country, why don't we sit down here and, and kind of figure out what's actually going on? And if we do say, hey, the guy's not suspended, he's got his license, we're going to let him come race here. And then a few months later, something really, really detrimental comes out then you look really bad for a guy that's made four starts at your track and the thing is this is that due process we get it i understand that we can't have um a sport if the tracks just throw guys out for no good reason but this person was just ruled off of a few tracks and in in the same area and that's kind of like, uh, I mean... If that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. And, and I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure. But I would think that, you know, getting some of that information would be just a phone call away if they really wanted it. Oh, and, and then they could do their call. own independent investigation sure. and say, hey, we looked at the stuff from Maryland and, and the Mid-Atlantic, and we just decided not to take any more entries. Yeah, well, but, but, but it's not, you know what they did? They did the opposite, and and that's the right. problem. The problem is, it's not this guy who's caught in the middle, okay? And I have no sympathy for him, because if you play with fire, you get burnt. So you know what? You you, you take your lumps now, and you, it, time will pass on, and he hasn't killed anyone, you know? So uh, eventually, like everything else, it, it'll blow over, and, and, and people will forget about it. But right now, it doesn't seem like it's a it's it's a prudent course to to get the information and still let them go. And Mammoth is no better. Mammoth scratched some of the horses from the the phony training center, but and this isn't against this guy. Like I, I really don't even know him, but I know the other guy, and the other guy. Got a year suspension from Delaware, and he was lucky. He got a year. He should have probably got longer. He probably should have got five years. Eluding investigators with a with a, a you know a, a vial of clear liquid, that's like that. I, I just uh, I, I said this that's Friday. Crazy. The, the Going in Circles podcast does no does not currently have uh, legal counsel. So we're gonna try not to get sued, but allegedly is the key word here. Allegedly, allegedly, but people don't get thrown off racetracks for no reason. People don't get suspended for no reason. The only person that's ever gotten a, a far more harsh sentence than they deserved is Rick Dutrow. Rick Dutrow, and whether yeah. you like him or you don't like him, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, the guy got ten years for something. That the very that the, the, the most harsh penalty in the world 
would have been six months. And and people have had that multiple times for the same thing. And he gets ten years. We're way, t- we're way worse. Way worse. It's it's just um, it's just disheartening in some ways, because when people ask me these questions, and I, and I get these questions from people on social media and, and otherwise, I don't have a good answer for them. Well, how could you? I mean, it's so inconsistent that there isn't, you know, a clear-cut way to, to distinguish. And, you know, when you have New York doing one thing, the Mid-Atlantic doing another, Florida doing another. All right. Let, there's, let's, there's no way to, to keep track of it. Let, let, let's fast forward to next spring. Maybe, uh, what if what if Potts has a, uh, a, um, a good horse, a good three-year-old, and... Uh, Baltimore doesn't let him run in the Preakness, and New York does. Let's him run in the Belmont. <laughs> that's ugly. It's, it's really ugly. And and that's the thing is that so much Barry, so much has happened in this business in the last few years that people have a hard time keeping up, and a lot of people are so insulated in racing. One of the things, especially on the backside. One of the things about working on the backside of a racetrack, training horses, working on the backside, being a groom, being, is it consumes your entire life because it's a seven-day-a-week job and you can't escape it. And it's hard to do, um, to, to have much time to do anything else. And people get caught up with other backside people and they just don't understand the world has changed. And things that used to be okay are not okay anymore. And a lot of it is, is there's been beard trainers forever. I've had I've been asked before to have to run a horse in people's name, and it wasn't someone who was suspended or this and that. It would be maybe my exercise rider had a horse of their own that they were training, and they just simply couldn't afford the workman's comp, or it'd be someone who didn't want to get workman's comp, uh, or something like that. Someone who couldn't get licensed because, uh, I don't know, something that had nothing to do with horse race. I, I always said no. Number one, I didn't want the liability. And number two, I wanted people to be confident that when the horse was in the program and went on the racetrack, that it was me training the horse. It was mine. And maybe somebody would have said, well, good, I'll throw Chuck out because he never wins, <laughs> which is fine. I'm just saying that I, I wanted it to be, um, I, I just didn't. I never felt comfortable doing it. Not not only because there, there's liability issues. What happens one day when a horse, uh, God forbid, gets hurt or or does something crazy and the jockey gets hurt really bad and then they go to the trainer and he's like, well, that's not really even my horse. Right. That, that's, that's, that's terrible. I mean, especially when you know... Like when things like that come up and, and you get that feeling and like, I, I, you know, it just doesn't feel right, you know, and and yeah, that that would be the horrible thing. And, and I, I understand where you're coming from, where you'd be like, no, I can't do that just because if, if something were to happen, it's, it's just it's just not an ideal situation. No. And, and the thing with, you know, allegedly George Navarro is running a operation again and and i've heard things and i've heard things that you know you hear a lot of rumors on the racetrack and a lot of them are nonsense but i've heard things from people who people who who are reliable sources of information and 
and then it came out in Pollock and the Vitaly thing. Uh, there's other trainers, there's other suspended trainers that are allegedly still hanging around the the the, the fringes, and it it has to stop because nothing good can come of this anymore. I, I don't know what the lessons of last spring at Santa Anita were learned because sometimes I think that the business of, of racing, the industry, they, they just gloss over so much, so much that they believe their own bullshit. Maybe like I think of all the things that happened at Santa Anita last year with all the negative press and, and the racing com board coming. Yeah, it was and, rough. And, and, and it was and rough. The animal rights people and the TV and the politicians and that, integrity matters. Yes, horse safety matters, but horse safety should have always mattered. And of course, integrity should have always mattered. But, you know, one thing about racing is that you watch a movie about racing and a lot of them are, are, are set in the past and there's always some shady characters, right? There's always one guy, there's always this guy that's going to do this to the, you know, or feed this to the horse, or this jockey's going to hold the horse, or this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. There's always some kind of shady characters, and that's where a lot of people get their horse racing exposure, to the people that aren't really, you know, fans of racing. So they get to this, um, you know, we start with, with, with a chink in our armor, you know, like, Hey, uh, yeah, did they really do that stuff? Did the jockeys really, you know, uh, well, I mean, if you're on Twitter, you think they do, but it's, uh, it, it's just like, you can't protect. I'm a trainer. I, there's been no one in horse racing over the last 20 years that is an, has been more outspoken on, on trainers and horsemen's issues than me. And I say that because I can make these statements because I didn't train for people who would freak out if I said that this war against Lasix is stupid and it's still stupid. Look at all the crap that's going on in the world and, and all the crap that's going on in racing and, and to think that, that we spent 15 years on Lasix. But I, I believe me, the horsemen get blamed for a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with us. But I also, I understand that we can't have integrity issues. We can't. And there's always going to be things that go on. There's always going to be, there's always going to be positives. Because it's an imperfect system and it, it, it's impossible. The, the, the system is so screwed up, it's, it's hard to even describe. But... Most of them are not things that are, number one, affect the race, or number two, are even done intentionally. But we have to get to a point where getting a positive test is a really bad thing for someone. Like, they really, absolutely, positively don't want to do it. Because for a while, I, I had a guy tell me one time, this is the, the God's honest truth. He told me, he says, you know what you really got to do to get to the next level as a trainer? I said, what? He goes, you got to get some more positives. So I laughed. I thought oh he was joking. God. And he's not serious. He goes, there's a whole group of owners. Of course, you know, the owners that employ shady people that are shady themselves. That simply think you don't try hard enough if you don't get positive. You're not cheating or 
trying to cheat or whatever. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely see that happening. So I, I told know, the, um, you know, I told the guy I said, well, just tell him I'm I'm like really good at it. Like I never get caught, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know I was reading a story uh, about Carl Broberg and what he's going through with uh, Remington Park, and I, th- I found it interesting that they'll let him run horses there, but they just won't let him stable. Or they won't give him stalls. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of alluded in the article that I read um, that him being on Twitter and speaking his mind had a lot to do with what was going on. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's, it's just crazy how, how the power structure can and will work for certain people and against others. No, and, no doubt. You know, no doubt. It, it seems like it's it, it's kind of that way by design because you know when you squash somebody, they really have no recourse, and when you allow other things, you just hear those grumblings like on Twitter, and then it goes away a month later. I mean, just think about all that stuff that you were talking about with Santa Anita. Seems like years ago, right? It was probably like six months. <laughs> it, it does. It seems like it was 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 five years ago, and it, and it just was. It wasn't. It. it uh, listen, every every we've learned in society these days. If you say the wrong thing, then then you'll lose your job. You you can have uh, look at the Reds announcer uh, Tom Brennerman the other day. Yes, said something. It wasn't even on the air, and 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 he winds up losing his job because he said something that is deemed unacceptable. So there are times that, you know, I I get it. I understand. I don't maybe necessarily agree all the time. And I think sometimes that we forget that this, um, I I guess what, what the, the, the saying, again, paraphrasing that, you have the right to say what you want, but you don't have the um, the right to the, the consequences. Might be, I don't know. I really screwed that up, but you know, you know what I mean. Like I know you have exactly freedom of speech. You, you, you can, can say, say what you, what you want, want, but but, but the, the consequences are there. Yes, good, bad, or otherwise. Right. The problem with me is, and and I have a lot with racing is that a lot of times people are speaking the truth, and they're trying to make racing better. And this is the one thing that guys on Twitter sometimes, well, they either don't know or forget, is that a lot of these people in racing, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not defending them at all, but they're doing jobs. And I know from training horses, I ran in spots on occasion that I didn't want to run in. But the owner really wanted to run in the race. And... Sometimes you just can't keep saying no, you know, and you can't come out and say, well, yeah, I know this looks like a stupid spot, but the owner wanted to run, not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just, you, you enter in the race, you go off 50 to one, you take your lumps and you move on. And, and that's the way it is. And I understand that other people in racing and jobs in racing are, are sometimes doing that same thing, that they have to toll the company line that they can't embarrass their boss. They they can't say th- things that might upset the people above them, uh, even if it's true. And 
it's just part of, you know, everybody doesn't have the freedom to just say whatever they want. And that, like I said, that doesn't condone some of the ridiculousness that happens in this business. But a lot of times the criticism is warranted and the defensive posture comes up. Like those ridiculous, absolutely, the unfathomable call that the Red Miles judges made yesterday. Oh, man, that was And that then was they compound it. They compound it with a, a, a smarmy uh, statement today that it was an easy call. It was an easy call, you jerks. You made the wrong call. Wrong call. Uh, this nonsense, we timed it. Uh, and I know people are probably thinking, what the hell is he talking about? But... It was just, it was like, it was like we don't have a video of the race and we can't all watch the replay over and over again to verify their idiocy, which is all that you can do when you see mistakes made that are so egregious. And then they put a statement out like, oh, well, it was an easy call. I mean, there's no, there's no accountability. If you're an NBA ref, if you're an NFL ref, if you're a major league umpire, if your name isn't Angel Hernandez, and you make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, you get taken off the big games, you get sent down, you get demoted, you get sent for further training. In, in, in Stewartsville here, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Well, I know in the NBA, just as an example, is... Uh... At least they used to do it because when my father um, raft NBA for a little while and was involved in that system, he they would basically have a, a DVD ready after every quarter to you know um, you know at halftime they would come in with the with the plays they would kind of splice it up and say hey the, look this is you know this one was kind of close um, what were you thinking why did you make this call instead of this call? And it usually wasn't that many during the game, or, yeah. you know, like in the middle of the game, but after the game, they get the full DVD. And that was part of their, their job um, to look at that DVD, look at the calls that were kind of questionable, could have gone either way and, and improve upon those things. Now, obviously you're not going to be able to do that in racing because every, every situation is pretty unique in its own right just because of, of how races are run, the uniqueness, the, the live element of, of horses and, and everything. Um, but you do see a lot of sim situations come up that are pretty similar. And what they need to get under control, in my opinion, is, is the consistency. And there's no consistency. I mean, it's, it's just a dead-on crapshoot. Like, whenever you see that inquiry sign go up, it's, it's just like, uh, I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like you, you would think is like you look at it and say, "Hey, this is an easy call. This shouldn't take but a second to dismiss," and that's the one that gets overturned and 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 you lose your bet. So, you know, it, 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 there's there's no rules really to to look at that are uniform. So, you know, if you're playing a, a race in California versus playing in New York, they're playing by a different set of rules basically, um, and it's hard to keep track of, and you just know what you see as a better. And that's where it gets frustrating because it's like, all right, well, you know, Bayern comes out of the gate, smashes three horses, 
and wins wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, and nothing happens. I know, uh, I think it was last week, a horse did the same thing, and they took him down. So it's just it's just wildly inconsistent. And, you know, I wish they would get their act together because then that creeps in the sentiment of, of some sort of impropriety, uh, impropriety. Like, you know, they're up to something or they had an interest in doing, you know, making a call one way or the other. And then it goes, you know, all the conspiracies start happening and then the jockeys are colluding and then it just snowballs. But I can see how that happens because the door is open for that. Do, I don't think people realize that there's virtually no training for stewards. There's no, almost they no just training. hire them. <laughs> they they have this accreditation them. program, which was a nice idea, but in, in, it's really backfired because I know a lot of people that are accredited that should not be stewards, period. And there's a lot of people that are accredited that aren't stewards. But you're talking about going to a two-day course, and I, I don't know how two much. Two days, time. that's it? Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, you have to go back every year and, you know, but it's almost a minimal, uh, it's just such a, a, there's no standards. I've had stewards quote rules that don't exist. It's interesting that, that the rule that, I mean, we should talk about Mama's ridiculous takedown on, on Saturday, the, the Paco Gonzalez, uh, Sean Connery award for best <laughs> acting uh, in, in the last eighth of a mile. And and listen, I like Paco. Paco's my friend. Paco gave me a chicken, a live chicken. I mean, you know, guys well, give you a live chicken. Well, once he gives you a chicken, he's your friend for life, right. bro. I, and listen, I've had, I've had a lot of luck with him. And, I, I you know, I, I have no problems with Paco. I know some people don't like him, but, but I, you know, he sold it. But... The rule Pat Cummings put up on Twitter is the rule in several places, which states that a horse that crosses over or swerves and causes intimidation or interference is is to be taken down. And that's the rule that they stated they used to take the horse down in the Islam. But the horse never crossed over the other horse and he didn't swerve. So if the first part of the rule doesn't happen, the second part doesn't apply. Couldn't, couldn't apply. Exactly. Right. I had a race at Tampa where the rule is, is very similar. And the horse on the lead literally zigzagged down the stretch. My jock tried to come inside, didn't come outside, didn't come inside. They put the, the, I claimed foul. They didn't put the inquiry sign up. My jock claimed foul. Um, I think I put a trainer's claim of foul in. They were like, we don't even know how to do that. And... They, of course, like, dismissed it in about 30 seconds. So I called the next day, and I, say, I said, you know, why, why didn't you take that horse? Well, you know, he never made contact. I said, there's no part of contact in the rule. I said, the rule says the horse must, the jockey must attempt to maintain a straight course. And, and, and I actually quoted him the rule. And he just looked at me and said, well, that's not how we interpret it. I said, what do you mean that's not how you interpret it? <laughs> Why have like, a rule then? Like, like, yeah, I said, but I said, the first comment you made was something you, that's not, a, not subject to interpretation. It's not part of the rule. It doesn't say contact. I said, the only contact a horse in front could make would be if we clipped his heels. I said, if, I said it just doesn't make any sense, you know. 
I said, so my jockey does the right thing and doesn't run up on heels of the horse, but gets checked and gets steady and gets intimidated, and, and you, you don't even hang the inquiry sign. And that's another thing. I mean, we don't need inquiries every race, but when there, there's something, an incident that happens, put it up. I mean, what's right. the point I, in I, letting I people know you're actually watching? Honestly, I wouldn't watching. be mad at, at them doing it every time or taking longer to make things official just so they can look at it a little closer. Um, well, it's not like we got to hurry up because me. the next race is going to be going off soon. Exactly. So, you know, why not take a look at it? Oh. You know, if know. it makes it better, then I'm all for it. I, I don't know. It just... I don't even. I'm not even going to talk about the Delmar DQ because I honestly, I I just have no comment on what goes on in California anymore because it, it just isn't worth it. There's just no rhyme or reason to what they do. The California Racing Board is a travesty. It's it's a bunch of political appointed people that have their seemingly each has their own agenda. That doesn't mean every single person's bad, but as a group. It's just uh, the stewards, the, 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 you know, it's just the whole thing is, it's not even worth commenting on because it, they're never going to get anything right out there. And to be honest, I don't see how California racing survives when, when, when Aldred kicks the bucket finally. I don't, you know, Los Alamitos is gone. I don't know that if, listen, I love horse racing as much as anybody. I don't know that I would fight the fight to keep Santa Anita and Golden Gate open. I don't know that I would do it out there. The state's against you. The the local government's against you, uh, seemingly. The um, you got the animal rights people. You have the politicians. You you have, uh, just, you know the 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 media that goes into a feeding frenzy, and it, it's just the the there's so much to overcome. Their purses stink now. Their purses stink. You know how much it costs to train a horse in California? I mean, it's expensive. The only thing they have cheap out there is hay. Everything else is wicked expensive. And it's like the purses stink for for the the expenses. I, I just don't I get it. You live in California, you want to have horses. They have some really great venues. There's some really good trainers. It's got a great tradition, a huge, you know, a history, and it's just that. The, the the uphill battle out there is so great that I don't know. It's just uh, like I said. I, I don't even want to talk about the stupid stewards because it's just a waste of breath. They're never going to get it. They they make inane calls. They, they, there's just no rhyme or reason to anything, and it's just it, it makes you not want to bet. I, I said a hundred years ago to somebody, you guys think drug positives are bad? Like, drug positives are are happen. You know, they're released months, months, and months after. And everybody kind of gets... Everybody gets all upset when it's Baffert. But when it's not Baffert, no one really, you know, gets that. It, it's like, ah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I go, when you have a bad DQ, that's happening right now. That's, Real time. That's like money taken out of the guy's pocket. If, if there's a drug positive and a horse gets DQ'd six months down the road, well, you got six months to, to to have forgotten about that race, you know, and it, it's it's. I'm not saying that it's not. It doesn't. You know, it's not important. Of course, it, it is. But but DQs. It the, the Mammoth DQ is just the guy did 
exactly, and, and this is the irony, is he did exactly to Paco what Paco does to everyone else. And he didn't even come over on him. There was a path and a half on the rail. Paco took a shot and, 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 and performed the Academy Award, and they, and they believed it. Hey, they bought it. <laughs> they bought, bought it. it. Hook, line, and sinker. So, I mean, I, I just, uh, some, some of these things just... Uh, well, you know what else is frustrating is that it's a recurring thing. Yeah, right. You know, it's not something that goes away completely. It's something that happens every weekend, every every day almost. Um, and it's it's just, you know, like you said, for the people that regularly bet and, and are regular players, uh, it, it's just frustrating because when it does happen, it's just like, you know, it's a gut punch. And you're like, oh my god! I, there was nothing I could do. You know, it's it's hard enough to win as it is. Then you add in that, and it's like everything's stacked against you. Whether it's takeout, you know, the stewards, and you know, it, it's just it's just rough, man. As as a better, as, as somebody who's a regular in this game, it's it's definitely not ideal. No, and uh, you know, getting back to something you said before, perception is reality. Perception is reality. I mean, if I could tell one thing to every single person in this business, it would be exactly that. Perception is reality. If people think you're cheating, you are. Until you prove you're not. If people think that there's guys who are betting after the, the bell, who think that there are tickets being placed after the results... Guess what? In their minds, it's happening until you prove it's not. And smarmy re- replies, and uh, you know we're smarter than you, and uh, just plain ignoring it forever. Right, silence. that doesn't help. And and it's like this business is like the worst PR. It, it just is like, come on. I, I mean. Well, I guess, you know, it's been so long and, and they've been operating a certain way for so long. True. That, 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 and that is, you're 100% is, right. Is, and I think that, I, I hear that on the backside a lot. Well, you know, they're not going to change. I said, listen, you jerks, we're not going to have a track. I go, I go, you know anybody that's got enough money to buy a track? You know anybody got enough money to, to build a track? It's got enough political... There's people co- that have that kind of money yeah. that people would want to buy a track with it. I, I, I know say, that. Well, I, you know, nowadays it's not even about that. Yeah, you know anyone's got enough political clout to, to get us a, a, a gaming license? Because try running a racetrack without gaming against horses, against tracks that do have gaming or just against gaming. If you build a racetrack across the street from a casino, well, you won't have to build much of a parking lot. You know, it's, 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 there's, you know, uh, there's never been any accountability. And I think that's part of the problem is they don't expect it at this point. Um, and they know how to, you know, kind of suppress anything in that regard that comes their way by either, you know, ignoring it and be like, oh, they're just talking or they'll give, you know, one of those weak ass statements about something just to kind of you know, spin a narrative or, or just kind of throw yeah. people a bone, just say, Hey, we said something about it. So you should be happy. I, I, and that's you know, not a good way to operate. I, I said something when I was particularly incensed this weekend in a tweet. 
And I said, you know, the suits keep throwing handle numbers at us, and they throw this number out, ratings are up, and all this nonsense. And I said, the, num the, 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 the number that's really important that we never hear, that I'm not sure we even know how to calculate, is how many people get fed up and just walk away. Not just people who are betting. People who own horses. The full crop goes down, 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 down. That is... Um, not horses deciding, well, hey, I don't want to breed anymore. It's a lack of demand. The supply goes down when the demand goes down. And I, I don't know what they're going to look like this year because, I mean, thankfully, yeah, the COVID, the COVID hit in, a little later in the breeding season. I mean, if it had hit in January, God knows how bad it would be. But the supply isn't going to be, things have to change. And I don't know that this business is, um, I don't know, I, I guess smart enough. I just don't know if it's smart enough. I really just don't know. And there's a lot of smart people in the business, but I, I don't know that it can, it can make it. I don't know that it can make the proper the proper changes. I mean, well, that's what happens when you have, you know, like groupthink, where you have a room full of these executives and people that can make decisions. You know, not a, you know, afraid of 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 going against one another or bringing up a point because of their job or who they know. Um, you know, all these hands are interconnected. So nobody ever wants to hurt anybody's feelings or well, that's true. That's very true. be out of line. And, and that, that causes this kind of mentality that, you know, not having diverse individuals in a room can be a factor. You know, it's just it's just too much of the same mentality among these boards and people making decisions that they're never going to change because they're all, you know, kind of shaking each other's hand like, oh, good job. Good job. I, I like that idea. You know, there's nobody in that room saying, hey, maybe we should think twice about this. And if they do, they look at them with the side eye and then, you know, they're not in favor anymore. And then, you know, they're there. It's a reactionary. It's, it's a reactionary yeah. business, Barry. And, and look, look at look at how, OK, Foner and, and Will Rogers did good on the off days. Right. The the, the slow days. And sure. then we come back. Everybody's like, oh, my God, look how good they did. Yeah, they did good because there was nothing else. There's nothing else it, it, it left. Wasn't people nothing suddenly there, decided, literally. like, oh, Monday, there was only one track running. So, yeah, they were going to do great. And all of a sudden, we got 120 races on a Monday when we used to have 75 or 80. Because everybody, like, they're all late to the party. People are all late to the party. And some of these tracks should have been running off days. They shouldn't have been running the Saturday afternoon when they're going up against all the huge signals. But it, it, it's it's just... It's 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 a reactionary business, and I mean you're seeing college sports event, uh, especially going through it right now, where you have a couple conferences that might play, a couple conferences that are definitely not playing, a couple kind of waffling, and we don't know what's going to go on basketball and blah 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 blah, and it's it's just no one, you know, there, there's no leadership there. No one's coming out and saying this is what we need to do, this is what we're going to do. It's it's well we're gonna you know study and blah blah blah. It's, it's, it reminds me of racing. It reminds yeah. me of racing. And and you know what? I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't think baseball would make it, 
and, and I'll give them credit. They just keep they, plunging through. They weathered the storm. That they was did. for sure. I mean, when the Marlins, all those guys got sick early. Yeah. I mean, the it, Marlins are going to have to play like, like like 13 double headers in a row. I mean, they're gonna have, their pitchers are going to have to like pitch with their offhand at some point. But but they just keep on on, on going. And I, I, I don't... Um, I mean, I, I don't have all the answers. I certainly do not have all the answers. Because if I did... Well, you know, honestly, if I did, half the people wouldn't listen anyways because it's not their idea. But but there's so many... Um, they have to change the optics of this sport. And I think we've done that a little bit with the, some of the safety measures. Not all of them. Not all of them. I mean, there was a there was a horse that should have been on a racetrack the other day, at a major track, and the analyst pointed it out before the race horse were warm up good, and the horse didn't make it, and it was a bad deal. And, and there's been so much other crap that that kind of got glossed over. But but there's so many other things. The jockey thing has got to be fixed. The thing with the stewards, these decisions they make are just so mind boggling, mind boggling. And 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 even like we all wanted. Um, we all wanted explanations, and now we get the explanations. We're like, maybe we're better off without the explanation because now I really think these guys, are, like, I, I don't know, I have no idea what they're talking about, and and uh, you know the, the 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 product is just weak, and and it's so easy to blame COVID, but no horses have died from COVID. You know, it's not like uh, a third of the population uh, of the horse population went uh, in in hiding. It's right. And I was I was actually saying something similar the other day. I was like, well, do you really think, you know, with without COVID, these field sizes would be any different? Maybe in New York they'd be a little bit higher, but right, maybe not. one or two horses there, there, more. There was there was there was hundreds of empty stalls there last year, not twelve. So that that trend is going to continue. I mean, I'll be honest. If I was still training, I mean, the last time I was still training, this was four years ago. It was last time I went to. I think it was four years ago. I'm pretty sure it was four years ago. Four, yeah, it was four years ago that I went to Saratoga with a few horses, a handful of horses that seemed like they fit, and um, it was so expensive, and I, I got couple um i got in a couple races that i really you know were, were tough divisions i got a couple trips that weren't so great through no fault you know it wasn't the jockey's fault just got post 11 on the turf you got post 11 but yeah. um I, I wouldn't do it again and i know a lot of other guys that feel the same way it's 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 very difficult i, I don't want to go to new york and have to deal with the New York Labor Board, the New York Insurance, all that crap. It's it's just, I I've often said if I if I had to, if I had a horse, I'd won the first two legs of the Triple Crown. I'd probably send him to Jimmy Jerkins running the Belmont. I'd be the first horse ever going for the Triple Crown. It was previously trained by another guy. Well, here's a question for you, and I, I've been wondering this. So, like, you know, I I, I grew up with racing in the mid '80s early 90s you know that was that was my coming of age so to speak and and i love the racing back then what was different then that made it better than what it is now 
I, I, I've been trying to pinpoint it, and I, I really couldn't come up with an answer because, you know, at that point I was young and I didn't know anything. I, now I, I actually, know a little bit more, but I, I, have, I, I always wanted to know that. I have a few. Yeah, I have a few answers to that question, and I will answer them after we come back from a word with our first sponsor. All right, we're back, and. I'm prepared to answer Barry's question. I think it depends. Well, let me preface this by saying it's tough to go back to the 80s. Like, life is just so much different in in society and in racing in that there was no simulcasting. There was very little, um, you know, there was no computers. There was... It was so, it's, it's just so much different. It's, it's hard to kind of um, take that model and, and, and use it today. But if you go back to even the, the beginning of, of the 2000s, um, when I first started training. When I first started training, 1999 was the first year I trained. It wasn't that uncommon to run horseback in two weeks. And I'm not talking about the top horses, grade one horses, but... It wasn't that uncommon to run a, a claiming horse back in two weeks. And that's one thing that's changed. Um, the foal crop has continuously dropped for a long time. It, it was it was at 50,000, and now we're down to the 18,000s. So just the sheer number of horses available has changed. Um, the The... You know, I mean, it's, this is something I talk about. People are sick of probably hearing about it, but the super trainers have changed things. That that when you go into a meet and there's really only one or two trainers that could win, and this happens all over the place. It's not just um, the New York guys. It happens everywhere. You go to Chicago, and Larry Ravelli is, is like a cinch to be the leading trainer there. Um, d- down in in, uh, um, in Florida, in, in the offseason, there's probably a couple guys that could win. But if Pletcher wants to win it, he'll win it. And this is like his third string. Or, or now you got a guy like Safi Joseph, who's got four barns full of horses. So the numbers just don't work out. Um it just is is the the talent isn't spread out the same and the same guys are getting all the good horses it's not like all right guy's got 125 horses but he's got a cross section of of every type of horse they have all the same type of horses they have all the maidens and, and allowance horses and stake horses and they have claimers that 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 drop through the ranks and and you know they get rid of them but they don't have them too long and that that's an issue um, I think that um, you see fewer owners that own significant numbers of horses. And by significant, I mean guys with 6, 8, 10 horses. Not the guys that have 100 horses. But, you know, not Windstar Farm. Not, not those people. But a lot of guys own pieces of 10 horses. They might own 10% of 10 horses or... 20% of one, 10% of one, 40% of one. So they're all partners. When you have three or four guys that used to own horses individually, 
that now are go partners, well, instead of having 30 or 40 horses between them, you have 10. And I understand the economics. It's expensive to... to training horses is expensive. And, and having a horse in training is, is expensive. And um, some of the new technologies we have has made it more expensive. But it's not as though we can just say, well, you know, I'll ignore it. And people complain about their vet bills a lot of times. But some of the stuff is, is just, you know, diagnostic tools that we use that, that we need to use, that you should be using. It's just expensive. And I get that. And I just don't think our product is very good. And the truth is, and this is one of the things that, that, that kind of makes me crack up because people make a lot of statements about horse racing without ever checking the facts or the numbers. But when people say, well, there's too much racing. And you say, well, you know, every year for about 25 years, the number of races has declined every single year, every year. And there's fewer racetracks. There's, and I, and I understand. Like you can't have a uh, hundred racetracks if if you have um, two thirds of the population. It's just a numbers thing. But but the idea that that we can just keep um, contracting to 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 uh, to a place where we we start to succeed, where things turn around by contraction, I, I don't see that happening. It, it just it's been contracting and there's not an interrelation between a lot of the tracks. What happens at Penn national has nothing to do with what happens at Keeneland. There's no crossover there. There's very, very, very few owners that would own horses in both places. There's almost no trainers that would train in both places. So if Penn national closes, it's not going to help Keeneland. It's not going to help Churchill. It's not going to help Gulfstream. It's not going to help uh, Santa Anita. It's not, it's just going to be one more track that closed. One less signal out there, one less place for people to go to the tr races and, and get exposed to it. I think that, um, I think there's a great inconsistency in the sport in that the rules are, are so much different from place to place. And I'm not talking about medication rules because honestly, nobody out there should give a shit about the medication rules. It's really, they're, they're technical changes and, and they really don't mean much. They really, really, really don't mean much. You know, oh, oh, this drug you can, you got, you got to withdraw 36 hours in this state, 48 in another state. It doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It, it has no, virtually no effect. But just the, the rules about claiming, the rules about entries, the rules about the condition book, the rules about uh, what, what happens when uh, a race is taken off the turf, what happens with this, that, the other thing? Um, it, it's confusing. This, the, the licensing has always been an issue. Oh, that's a mess. And, and it's, it's, it's still a, a mess. It's still a mess. I, I just think um, that it's, it's... I know it's hard to get so many different groups that have so many different self-interests that are going in so many different ways to, to, to get together and, and do something for the common good. But it, it really, the, the game is going to eventually fail. It's going to die because we can't, we can't lose California. Um, that, that's a significant amount of handle. Not all the handle will go away. But if guys in California are, are, are always two and three hours ahead or behind, 
whatever you know however you would call it it's gonna take it's gonna take a, a we're gonna take a big hit how do we compete in in the modern gambling world I, I ask that I ask that myself all the time and honestly one of the good things is that the corporate bookmakers <laughs> they really suck like <laughs> if, 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 if if you win they they cut you off <laughs> if you beat them they they, they ban you so uh, i mean it's it's like the one good thing in that you know uh <laughs> racetracks traditionally you know you're not betting against them they're just they're just taking a cut of the action so uh they're they're not going to kick you out for betting for winning but um and I don't even want to go into the topic today of of the the computers and the syndicates and all that crap. But it, just in general, um, racing is a better sport to bet on, to gamble on than just about any other sport. I mean, even football. Right? Football is known, especially NFL football, is like the ultimate gambling sport, right? Everybody in the world knows the line. Everybody in the world knows the over under, right? The basics. It still takes three hours to play the game. And you're still betting um, under even money unless you bet the money line or, you know, there's technical ways of, of, of doing it. But even so, you're not going to be able to make a, a bet, a small bet, and make a, a lot of money. And that's the one great thing that horse racing offers. Um, it, it offers a chance to make a, a to take a small amount of money, a relatively small amount of money, and, and make a, a, a big a big score. Even oh, if it's I just, can attest to that right, for even, sure. <laughs> even if it's just everyday ordinary win betting, you bet it. You find a horse you like. The horse is, is is fifteen to one, and you know you get something somewhere close to that when they cross the wire, as opposed to when they leave the gate. But you know what I'm saying, and, and you're getting fifteen to one or twelve to one or ten to one. Sports betting, it's 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 very very difficult to 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 do that, and and you know you get into parlays and. And stuff like that, where where guys try to you know parlay on sports, but the, the but it also prolongs your action. You know, even if you parlay, let's say three games, and it's on a Sunday and it's early game, uh, midday game, you know, the one thirty game, the four thirty game, and then the Sunday night game. Right, that's that's an all day affair on you know little to nothing. And and you're also you're, you're getting juice three times. You're getting takeout right. three times on that. So, you know, parlays are always a little bit off kilter. But but um, it's it's just uh, it's still a, a great wagering game. There's just sometimes I think there's just too many options. Uh, I won't bore you with technical dip, uh, details about like the condition book. But I think a big problem we have with the condition book in, in, in a lot of places is there's too many options now. That 20 years ago, you had claiming races. Claiming races were claiming races. Now there's so many subdivisions of claiming races. Never win two, never win three, never win four, never win twice in six months, never win, six months, uh, yeah. <laughs> never win a race uh, on, on the, you know, on the on on this surface or that surface or this or that or the other thing and and there's like so many subdivisions when you have a shrinking horse population you you should have less options because you have you have less horses it's just math but 
but but no and that that's i think that's a complication that that um that exists the condition books are everyone's looking for the perfect race everyone's looking for the perfect spot everybody wants to be two to one i used to work for tom skiffington and tom was a really really good horseman he was a real pain in the ass to work for believe me he was he was a taskmaster but he made us do the right thing and, and you look back and you're like you know what i learned a lot and he was a really good horseman he knew what he was doing i mean tom was really really good but tom they used to call him scratchington because, and he was really the first, um, he was really the first mostly turf trainer. Like he, he really, people forget 25, 30 years ago, even Nyrod would run maybe two turf races a day. That's it. And, and they were running nine, they'd maybe run two and, and that was it. So there wasn't the, um, the numbers that, that, uh, there are now or, a lot of times, more than half the races are on the grass. But he was primarily a turf guy. He 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 liked turf horses. He got a lot of Europeans, and uh, he was Chris Clement before Chris Clement. And he hated to be longer than five to two. He would scratch. He would literally scratch if he was four to one. He was like, Nah, I don't, I don't like our chances here. And there was one time. This is funny. I I first started working for him as assistant. And uh, it was uh, it was in January, and we were at Gulfstream, and he went away for like five days to Jamaica. I think it was Jamaica. Now this was still before cell phones, before PCs. You know, we didn't have computers and stuff like that. So this was in the uh, the nineties, and um, <laughs> we had one horse to run the whole week. It was a filly that we had got from England with some pedigree. And uh, the lady owned her from, uh, was from England. And his only instruction was, if it comes off the turf, scratch. Do not run. No, under no circumstances. So, I was like, all right, no problem. So, you know what happens, right? It, it, it was, I think it was a Wednesday. And... Um, <laughs> about 6 o'clock in the morning, it starts to pour... And back then, they were even quicker to take them off the turf than they are now. Now now they kind of, you know, you got so many races on the turf that they want to kind of take that wait-and-see attitude. And, um, but back then, it was like, this race is, is off for certain. So I had never scratched a horse before. <laughs> so oh my God. I went over to the steward's office and sat there and waited until one of them came in because I wanted to make sure I didn't screw it up. So... I'm sitting outside the steward's office, which used to be in the old grant in the old Gulfstream. They had the paddock in the back, and there was a tote board uh, above the paddock. Above the paddock, yeah. Uh, on on the second floor, that's where the steward's office was behind the the tote board. So I come out there, and and uh, Walter Blum, Senior, uh, was the steward that did the scratches that day. He was the the the, the senior steward there at Gulfstream. So he comes in, and uh, I said, "I want to, I want to uh, make, I need to make a scratch." Um, you know, I heard the races are off the turf, and uh, I, I, I need to scratch this horse. And so he's like, "Hold on, hold on." And he's like, "Who are you?" 
And I, I told him I work for Skiffington. And he rolled his eyes. So I was like, uh-oh. So um, he said, uh, what horse? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I told him what horse. And I said, listen, Tom left one instruction. If it comes off the turf, we are not to run the horse. And, I mean, it's a turf horse from England. Like, it's this isn't a dirt horse. So He kind of begrudgingly said, okay, all right, you're out. So I was like, all right, good. That's a big relief. Now I can go back to the barn and and uh, get everything else done and, and not have to worry about this, this race, you know. So I get back to the barn and uh, Tom calls and, and I tell him. I said, listen, uh, we're scratched. Um, I went over to the stewards and I got her scratched. And he said, all right, great. And he, gave, he said, call the agent um, and call the lady. He said, the lady probably won't pick up, but go ahead and call. So we had barn phones. So, so I called the agent, told him. I called the lady. I left a message on her phone. And, um, so didn't think anything of it. About 20 minutes later, I hear uh, over the loudspeaker on the backside, Skiffington's assistant, call the stewards immediately. Uh -oh. So I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> right? Like, what did I, you know, I'm like, shit, did I do something wrong? You know, like, was I for, was I supposed to fill out a form or something? I didn't know. I, I'd never scratched a horse before. So, <laughs> I call, and on the barn phone, I said, yeah, this is, this is, this is Chuck, this is Tom Skiffington's assistant. You guys paged me. And they said, yes, you're unscratched. And I said, what? That's what I said. I said, what? <laughs> and they're like, there's a lot of scratches in there, and your boss always scratches, so uh, it's going to only be a four-horse field, and, and we put you back in there. So I was like, Mr. Blum, sir, I, I have to tell you this, that Tom called, he, he knows that I scratched a horse, um, I called the owner, I called the agent, and I told him the horse was scratched. If I run this horse, I'm definitely going to get fired, so what's the fine for not bringing a horse over to the paddock? And he grumbled to me, rrr, 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 hold on. And he put his hand over the over the, the telephone. He must talk to the other stewards. And, and uh, <laughs> he came back and he says, all right, you're out. But you tell your boss to come see us when he gets back from his vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I never I never said anything to Tom. I don't think that. I think they just let it go. But, but uh they they used to call him Scratchington. He hate he did he hated her and he wanted to be the favorite every time, and and he did really well. And that was before, like stats were a thing. Like before, uh, there was a or you got to be a twenty percent trainer or, or or you're no good. I mean I don't even know what the I don't even know what his stats were, but uh, but uh, he he hated running and, and it, it was. He, he, he was a really, he was a really, they said he was a, a, an amazingly good steeplechase jockey. He, he went to, uh, to Europe and, and rode, um, over there and jump races. But, uh, yeah, man, when they said you're unscratched. <laughs> uh, your heart must have dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I almost, I almost fainted. I swear. I was like. And I and I swear I heard when I heard him call my you know name over the loudspeaker I was like, damn it I, I did something wrong what did I forget to do? <laughs> I I scratched a horse one time. I had this filly and she she was really kind of going south. She just wasn't I couldn't find anything wrong with her. 
and she was, uh, I think she was five, and this was the summertime. I was at Saratoga, and um, I entered her in a race at Monmouth on the grass, and I, I think it was a turf sprint, because there wasn't many, and this, she was a sprinter, and there wasn't many, um, there wasn't many turf sprints back then. So the idea was, and the owner kind of came up with it, why don't we try her on the turf? We'd never ran her on the turf because she was a sprinter. And why don't you put her in a turf sprint and just maybe she'll wake up, you know, maybe she'll like it. Who, who knows? It's it's still way too early to breed her. They were going to breed her. They, they had, she was a homebred. And, you know, you have a long time to go. And they didn't want to keep her in training if she wasn't going to be competitive. And um, I said, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So so we enter her. Now, remember, this is a filly with probably 18, 20 lifetime starts, and she had never run on the turf at all. So we enter in the turf race at Monmouth. Um I'm getting, I'm going to ship her out. Uh, it, it was a Sunday. So there was, traffic was going to be light. So we were going to ship out like, uh, like six o'clock in the morning from Saratoga. And we get the Monmouth by, by nine o'clock. Easy. So before, um, uh, I shipped her, the, uh, the van driver called me up and he said, are you running off the turf at Monmouth? I said, mm, I don't know why. And he goes, I just talked to someone down there and they said it's it's pouring rain and they're probably going to be off the grass and I know your filly's in on the grass. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm not going to run her in the mud. So um I just said, yeah, forget it. We're not going to go. Cancel the van. So, you know, you can't make a scratch at six o'clock in the morning. The stewards don't come in usually till, till 8, 30, 9 o'clock. So you have to wait till they come in because technically you ask the stewards to, to be scratched. Um, right, it's not an you, automatic. You can't, like oh, well, tell this... them unless it's a stake race. A stake race, you're allowed to scratch up to 45 minutes before post time with without reason. You don't have to have a reason to scratch out of a stake race. So I call up the stewards at, at like nine. I, I, something happened. I can't remember if I had a turf work or something. I, and I kind of forgot about it. I put it off, you know. And I was like, oh man, I better call Mammoth and scratch his horse. So the steward was a, a guy, Jimmy Edwards, and, and he, he was a good steward. And he was a good guy, and, and uh, he, he used to be, he was, a, he was a, a pretty good jockey. A little before my time, but uh, a pretty good jockey. And um, I got him, and I said, hey, uh, take me out of the eighth race. And he was like, what? I, was like, well, I heard it's off the turf. He goes, your horse has never even run on the turf. <laughs> He goes, you can't scratch. We're going we're gonna to stick you. And it, it's something that used to happen. It's called, they would stick you. They would not let you scratch. Um, they don't really do that anymore because if you wanted to scratch and they didn't let you scratch and something happened, then there would be all kinds of problems. Right, but back then, they used to say, you know, you'd be stuck. You, you would have to run. And I said, listen... The reason we entered was because it's Phileas. You look at her form. It's really going bad. And the owner wanted to take a shot on the grass. But if I ship her down there and run her on the mud, and, and, and you know she's not going to run any good, and I know like you're going to tell me that the field is, is depleted, but um, you know, we can't, she, she, you know, she's just, this was a grass, this was, this was a grass experiment. Otherwise she's going to be retired. And I got, and I said, I, I got, I got, nine horses for them and 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 I have probably seven or eight for their clients so that, I can't lose 15 or 16 horses because you guys want me to run and it's off the turf race 
oh, he was he was so mad. <laughs> and he goes, well, we're going to fine you for this. And I said, well, you can fine me, but whatever it is, it's not going to be like one of those, <laughs> you know, one of those $45,000 checks I get every, every month from these people. So do what you got to do. And he's like, Rah. I said, Mr. Edwards, the horse is in Saratoga. I said, I go, I, I, I said, even if I wanted to run, I can't, I, you know, unless you got one of those Star Trek thingies where we can just beam in, I, I, I can't get there. You know, it's not a choice. She's not, you know, she's not coming. Oh, he was mad. They, I think they find me 250 bucks. But, you know, I mean, that's pocket change. It's, it's. It, it, listen, I'd much rather get to find two hundred fifty bucks than get fired by a client. That's for sure. Right. You know, yeah, they probably they probably wouldn't have fired me, but you know, and you know, God forbid, I run the horse down there and something happens. You know, it's, right? It's just an awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I get it. You know, sometimes there are sometimes when you you do people a favor and you say, you know what? Maybe my horse really is not great on the dirt or in the mud, but I'll stay in. It's a short field. Maybe I can pick up. a the pieces and hey maybe you guys will help me out with a race when it comes time and sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't but uh, it's an inexact science and I I wind up talking to this with trainers all the time about the condition book and about the way races are written um, and condition books and things like that and it's kind of a dull topic if you don't really know what we're talking about, you know. It's, but um, it's it's like a nerd conversation almost, right? But there's so many things that I think are done wrong these days, and a lot of it is reactionary, and it's the way things have evolved. And no one has, no racing secretaries, ha- have said to them, you know, and, and honestly. It would be so much better if they worked a little bit together. I, and I keep coming back to it. But guy remembered, he said, you know what the problem with racing is? The tracks think other tracks are the, are, are the competition. The competition is, is, every, is every other form of gambling, not other tracks. Not the other tracks, right. yeah. And, and that, that, that's something that resonates. And, and I don't think that... And maybe, hey, listen, maybe if I worked for a track, I, I wouldn't quite see it that way. Maybe I'd see it, you know, like the guys who work for the tracks do. Um, but I always I always thought it was odd that they would compare, like, all right, uh, last year, the the third Thursday in August, we did this, and uh, this, this year we did more, we did less. Like, I don't understand. It doesn't seem like it's, it's a fair comparison because there's so many no, variables. No, it can't be. There's so many variables, and, and a lot of them are, are out of your control. Um, weather, um, if, if, the, if there's a sickness going through the barn, if the weather has been bad or good or hot or cold, or, or uh, the competition, the other, um, m- maybe uh, some of the other tracks have, have taken some of your horses away, or Maybe, change dates, or right, there, there's just, all kinds of things. Right, there's just so many different things, and it just seems like such a... Uh, a caveman comparison, you know, it's like raw data versus raw data with, with no context, and and that's a that's a racing thing. I mean, racing is is not uh, great at, at taking things in context. Uh, well, handle numbers are, are indeed that. 
Inside the Pylons has been on a tirade the last two days about um, <laughs> some of the stats that get put up. <laughs> you know, when a guy's three for seven and they're like, well, oh, man, and he's 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 three for seven, so he's... Uh... Yeah, I went after that on, I think it was Saturday, I saw somebody on television talk about a stat. Of, the, the guy was four for seven, and he said, that's a strong stat. Yeah, and he's seven, probably likely seven to be, horses. He's Come likely on. to be. He could, he's likely to be four for twenty-seven at some point. Right, exactly. He could win. He could win those four and lose the next thirty. You know, if you how follow, strong if, is you, it? if you follow sports, right? Like how many, how many times in baseball has a guy come out of spring training hot, you know, and and he's, he's some shortstop that hits two forty. And the first two weeks of the season, he's just on fire, you know, and he's hitting 390. Like, all right, he's going to regress to the mean at some point. And this guy, maybe he'll have a good year and hit 270. He's not going to hit 390. He's not George Brett, you know. And in racing, everybody's like, wow, look at this guy. This guy's great, you know. <laughs> he's hitting 390. So, you know, by by the time the end of the year comes off, and he's got six home runs, and if you combine that out, shit, he's gonna hit fifty five home runs, and and then you know the guy winds up with thirteen, because there's there's you know it's mathematical. I mean, you you take a statistics class, and one of the first things you find out is virtually every single racing statistic is 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 num is numerically insignificant. It's not a big enough sample size, especially under the same conditions. Yeah. You know, you know, there's, there's hardly any time in anything ever in racing that's done under the exact same conditions. No, it's it's funny that the and that, and that goes back to Equibase. Equibase. Uh, I, I listened. Yeah, so I listened to. Um, I finally listened to Andy Byers' interview with with Steve Bick the other day about the Equibase timing issues and. Um, you, you know. Andy's take in a lot of ways is that the Equibase is trying to become um, maybe modernized in some ways that they want the GPS technology to work so bad and they want to take all these things from the GPS technology. Not only are we going to give you the fractions, we're going to give you each horse's internal fraction. We're going to give you a stride length. We're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. And they aren't doing the most basic of, of duties, which is to actual right, time of the, the accurate time. The, the actual <laughs> time of the race. And 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 his his point is, is is kind of true. And where they're they're, they're more um, fascinated by the technology than the accuracy. And 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 that that's something that. Um, that that that's that's so horse racing. I mean, it just is so horse racing that you just um, like we're so in a rush to, to 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 do something kind of new. I mean, how many new kind of things have they come up with? The stats race lens. Uh, I, I was funny. I came across a, a Facebook post that I had made a couple years ago when that first came out, where they they gave you the free data for one day. And then they wanted to yeah, buy it. Yeah, I remember it. that. And I, and I remember saying, you know, hello, perhaps you should give it to people for a week 
to, so that you can look at it and decide if it's worth buying, if you like it, if you understand it, so you get a little familiarized with it before asking someone. Twitter page at once be, at one point. You know, be, uh, before asking people to, to purchase it, let them try it out. I mean, it's a three hundred and sixty-four day a year sport. You know, right? What's a week gonna? You know, is a week really gonna kill you? Or even a weekend, and, and just kind of give you, you an idea of of what of what you're looking at and you know it's I think in a lot of ways they don't have um like if I was going to build I built a farm one time and and it, I made so many mistakes and and I said afterwards I should have had somebody here that knows how to do this <laughs> you know like someone that's more familiarized so many Things I could have done so much easier if I had just kind of known what I was doing. And, um, like if, I, if, I'm, if I'm trying to sell products for handicapping, then you have to get a few. I mean, handicappers come in all sizes and shapes and forms. And, and I mean, you're going to have 10 guys and 10 guys are going to do things you know, probably 10 different ways. And like, you need to get people in there to tell you all the things that won't work, that they don't like before you bring these things out. And, Correct. and that's, that's something, that's another thing I think that the tracks don't do. Like it would be so easy to just, just pull owners, pull trainers. What do you like? What don't you like? What can we do better? What don't, what, what are we doing? You know, what better? Like, like, to just, they just put, like, jackpot bets in, and, and, and do they ask their customers, are, is there demand for this? Or are you going to put it in and then try to create the demand, which would be backwards? I think that, not to go back to the harness side, but, but there's a guy in harness, a younger guy, Gabe Pruitt, Pruitt, sorry, Gabe. And he's he's done an amazing job at at drumming up the right kind of business, the right kind of interest. And he started off as a gambler, so he understands it way way better than most racetrack executives. That he 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 knows what what he likes, and he listens. He's open minded, and he's moving up in the ranks. And he just got a a, a, a title. He's a suit now, but. Um, only kidding but um he's done i mean, I mean the, the the handle of pompano has has risen significantly since he's been calling the shots and and getting the races to go off at the proper times um you know so so they're not going right up at the same time as the the meadowlands or the other the other big signals and then what he did with at Sciota this this summer was just phenomenal he had a track that was handling two and three hundred thousand dollars a night, and he has the, the and, and I get in the beginning they were the only track running, but he got people he got eyes on the track and and he and he he forms the 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 he just does everything right, and he he gets the handle for this one track over a million dollars night after night after night after night, this track was doing three hundred thousand. 
And even when the Meadowlands came back and all the other signals came back, they were still doing a million dollars. Still. And it's not gimmicks. It's not a jackpot bet. It's just doing it right. And, and understanding the customer. And understanding that what they want. How to increase, how to maximize your handle by, by not rushing your races or not delaying them forever. Not running on top of, of your, your biggest competition. The, giving the, the betters the respect so that they can bet both places. Not trying to make them just bet your track by running on top of another track. And having a, a, an active role on social media, not just putting out some shill nonsense that the PR department puts out once a, you know, once a week or once a day about some, you know, beer garden or some crap. Actually talking about the races, actually talking about the the carryovers and and what's going on and and how to approach that and interacting with people, answering people. Well, I mean, I know his thing with the send it in army. That that was a huge hit. I mean, it, it definitely got people um, involved in, in especially playing Pompano is, is what really sticks out to me. And I know he carries himself around the different tracks and people follow, you know, and that, that's that's what the sport needs. Um, you know, it's just a shame that they don't, you know, pluck those kind of people out of the crowd and and put them in positions to, to where they can give input and do things like that. And until that happens, it's just going to be in the same place. And listen, he's a really sharp guy. He's he a is young very guy. sharp. He's a young guy. He's very sharp. And he's been given an opportunity because management in a lot of these tracks just doesn't really care that much. So he was able to come in and do what he needed to do, you know? Uh, if they had micromanaged everything from, from day one, then it would never may, happen maybe it way. wouldn't have worked out that way. But my point is that, yeah, there's not 10 of him to go around. But my point is that... If you do things properly, if you, if you think about it and do 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 it logically, and and you know take the time to to think to take the work and he works at it. Listen, I, I've been up in in the booth when he's calling races. He's got five monitors on. He's watching all the other tracks when they're going, moving post time, this that and the other thing. I mean, hey, that that's a lot of work, and and still be able to to uh, to to you know to fire a little bit. Um, it, does it all? It it, it 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 blows my mind sometimes when I see thoroughbred tracks owned by the same company running at the same time, and I'm like, where? Why? Like, why? How how does this happen? How does this happen? I mean, we're in an era now where post times don't mean a whole hell of a lot. At the very no, least, let's don't. not let's not run on top of each other. And it happens a lot, a lot. It happens a lot, and it's it's just one of those things that can be fixed relatively easy, and people in, in positions of authority just need to understand that it can be done. You don't need to have gimmicks. You don't need to have. Um, you, you just need to do things to 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 maximize what you have. And no, Gabe did not pay me to say this. I'm saying all these things unsolicited. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't think he would. He's a good dude. But um, it it's uh, it, it's it's it just shows. I mean, what 
he I thought, you know, he did phenomenal with Pompano. And the Sciota thing was really, to me, eye-opening. And uh, it, it certainly opened eyes at Caesars Entertainment because they, uh, they, they moved them up the ladder, which should actually benefit uh, some of the tracks that they have that, that need <laughs> that need some help. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Chester, <laughs> or whatever they call it now. But um, anyways, we've rambled on quite a bit. I'm sure you have. Uh, you got candy to eat. Candy to eat. Kids to put to bed. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm <laughs> this week has been super frustrating. And people say, "Well, why do you care so much?" I, say, I don't know why I care so much. It just bothers me. It bothers me when. When I think that other people don't care enough. And right. You know they can do better. You know they can do better. It's not a factor that they can't. It's just they don't. That's so true. So we still haven't come up with a line to end this show. Man, we need one badly. I mean, I'm gonna put it out on Twitter this week at some point. I keep threatening to have a contest on Tuesday, and then every Tuesday I forget it. I got this. <laughs> I got this Saratoga bag. It's like a vintage oh, 1995 bag. Yeah. bag sitting right on my my table, and I look at it every day. And every day I said, "Oh, I gotta have a contest so I can." Give this away to somebody, even though it'll be sent by the U.S. Postal Service, which means you might get it like in December. But still, you know, everybody like to get a a, a vintage. I don't even know what year it was. They didn't have any years on it. But my dad had kept it or bought it. Who knows? It was in the house, and when I moved, uh, it, it was deeded over to me. So I'm going to deed it over to, to the contest winner whenever we have a contest. I don't know what should we have. What kind of contest should we have? I don't know. Trivia? No, you can't. You can't have trivia contests anymore because of Google. True. I don't know. Pick a winner. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe an off racing, off topic like another sport. Who's gonna be the next coach of the Sixers? (laughs) Not me. Good answer. For the 64th, or I guess the $100 million question, why did the Sixers sign Al Horford? Oh, man. Al Horford is like one of those grade two steak horses that was really consistent. And but could never be on the track. Ne- ne- never, 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 never got like over the top, you know, never got to be a star status. And now he needs to run for a quarter. <laughs> We're not at the point where people are trying to rescue him, you know, like a, a Green Grotto situation. Green Grotto. He's not. He's not Green Grottoed out yet, but 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 he's, he's close. He's he 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 walks like I do, old and decrepit. Right. Oh man! And he's still got uh, a lot of money. But you know, people in Philadelphia, they're they're used to being bitter. So true. All right, DeBerry, thank you for your time as usual and uh your insight and if you keep making food like you have been up i might actually make it up to hey man uh, i might, might make it up to the invite's way. always there bro i mean usually every saturday we're doing it well at least we're dodging a hurricane this week so we're in good yeah. shape. 
<laughs> my, friend, yeah, my friend's a got a be on, my, man. my friend's got a horse in this week later this week in Louisiana. Uh, uh, ain't looking too good right now for him. Oof, yeah. But I hope they dodge a bullet, but it looks like they're gonna get two at once. Yeah. Yep. It's uh sometimes like we get upset about racing stuff and there's a whole lot more serious stuff that happens in the world that has nothing to do with horses running in circles. True that. All right, my man. Thank you, Barry. We're gonna wrap up tonight's show. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, oh, tomorrow we are going three to five. Three to five. Three to okay. five tomorrow. I'm there. We're, I'll bumped, be listening. we're bumped back to three to five. Casey's got uh, uh, an engagement he can't uh, get out of, so we're going to move the show back a little bit, and uh, we're going to do that. Uh, All right. We will announce tomorrow morning who will be on the show. So, okay. Eagerly awaiting. I'm I, sure the I, people on Twitter. Yeah. I really want to know. Well, some of them do. Swifty got banned. So. <laughs> Temporarily. It was only a 12-hour. Yeah. He didn't get the the sniper treatment for two months. No. It's crazy. Everyone's getting banned. <laughs> Canceled. <All right. laughs> Cancel. Cancel culture. <laughs> All right, Barry. Thank you. And uh, anytime man always a pleasure thank you bud. and thanks everyone for listening and uh, we will be back tomorrow see you later <laughs>